The following is a sermon from Gila Valley Baptist Church, and we pray this message strengthens your relationship with our Lord and Savior. We're located in Gila, New Mexico, and to learn more about our ministry or how to support our ministry, please visit GilaValley.org. Hey, uh, would you guys take a moment to open those gifts for me? Open those gifts. We have uh, purchased through the generosity of our church a study Bible for every single graduating senior. And if you don't have a Bible, there is a Bible in the pew in front of you. It's the black book there. If you want to take that out and turn to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. If you're unfamiliar with the Bible, just to help you find Mark for a moment, just like any other book, in the beginning there's a table of contents, and so you can find Mark there, in there. Uh, it's going to be in the New Testament. In the New Testament we have Matthew and then Mark. As you are opening up your Bible and you see those big numbers, those big numbers are chapters, and then the little numbers are verses. And so we're going to be in Mark chapter 10. Verses 17 through 31 today. We're going to see that following Jesus after high school and following Jesus in general may involve great personal cost. But it will always result in great personal gain. And so as you're turning to Mark chapter 10, I want to share a story with you of a college student by the name of Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott, some of us may be familiar with, he went to Wheaton College. And at Wheaton College, he married, he met his wife and he married a wife named Elizabeth. They had a daughter named Valerie. And to catch you guys up to uh, the story here, Jim Elliott was a missionary. As he was about 20 years old, he was at school for about two years, and he got this really deep desire to go on a mission trip. And so he went to Mexico, and he came back, and then he went to this place. He heard of something called an unreached people group, people that have never heard of Jesus. And he had so much desire to go there. So he took some of his college friends, and he brought them in an airplane, and they began to fly over and they looked for this Indian tribe. And they looked and they looked and they looked. And one day they came back and they said, hey, we saw these little houses. Let's go there. But Jim and his friends knew something very important about this Indian tribe. Not only had they never heard of the name Jesus, but anyone who came on their property they murdered. There was an oil operation, an oil rig that... Uh, was close to there, and because they came on the property, the Indians with their spears went and they killed all of the oil workers. They said, you do not come on our property. Jim was not the first missionary to go to this unreached people group. There were many churches and many organizations that went to send people to share the gospel with these people that have never heard it before. But before they could share that gospel with them, they were murdered. They were speared to death. And so Jim knew this, and his college friends knew this. And so as they flew over and they found the tribe, and they found where they were meeting, they said, 
Let's, let's be smart about this. And so they took a basket and they began to lower food. They began to lower gifts to this tribe. And several days went by and then gifts started coming back up. And so when they would take the basket back into the plane, there would be a gift there. And a couple times after that happened, him and his friends had a conversation and said, okay, it's ready. We, we can go now. Now we're not just walking on their land, but we're the guys that have food. Like they know us, so it's not going to be safe, but they may not kill us right when we get there. So the first night they go there and they have dinner with a young couple. Dinner was great. A couple days go by and everyone in the community is telling them, hey, there's two ladies at the beach. You need to go to the beach. There's two ladies at the beach and they need to talk to you. And later on, they found out that these two ladies were not very friendly. And these two ladies were used as pawns. And so Jim and his three friends, four total of them, they go up. They find these ladies. The ladies say, turn around. And they turn around. And there's a tribe of Indians with their spears up in the air. Ready to murder these four faithful Christians. Jim knew that it was dangerous. He has a pistol on his hip. And he reaches for his pistol. And his friend reminds him. Remember the agreement that we made that we wouldn't hurt them? And so Jim said to his friends in this point, he said, I'm ready to die because I know Jesus and I know where I'm going when I die. But these individuals don't. And so these four men were executed. Question you guys are probably asking is how in the world do we know this story? This is a true story, right? There were four men that were there. They got executed, and this, this group of Indians came, and they did it, and no one else is allowed on the property. So how in the world do we know the story? Well, Elizabeth, Jim's wife, and his daughter, Valerie, who's three years old now, they make plans to go to the same tribe, and they do. Elizabeth takes her three-year-old daughter, Valerie, to this tribe, and she begins to say, I think that you guys killed my husband. And they said something stood out to us. Something that Jim said. Jim said that he knew where he was going when he died. And so he didn't mind us killing him. And we killed him anyways. And he just praised the Lord. And so we know this story because Elizabeth went. And to this day this is one of the most successful missionary stories because that whole tribe came to know Christ. Jim Elliot has this quote. He says, when it comes time to die, make sure all you have left to do is die. Would you guys pray with me? Dear Father, as we study your word tonight, Father, as we prepare for the next season of our life, Father, we pray that we wouldn't waste it. But Father, that we would be so on fire for you that we would be passionate about sharing your great name. Father, I pray as we study God's word that hearts and minds would be open towards your holy scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark chapter 10, I'm going to start reading in verse 17. And if we can, students, I'm going to ask you questions throughout our time together, okay? Verse 17, and as he was sitting out on his journey, a man ran up to him. He knelt before him and he asked him, 
Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so in verse 17, we see Jesus is about to go on a, another missionary journey. He's about to go on a journey. He's about to go somewhere else. There is an individual that comes up to Jesus. He kneels. He, this is a sign of humility. He comes before Jesus and he says, good teacher. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? College is going to be easier than you think, students. College is going to be easier than you think. Following Jesus is going to be easier than you think. All of these things in your mind that are going through right now, you're stressed about this and you're stressed about this, we're going to see this unfold here. This man who's humble, he goes to the right person, and the right person is Jesus. He goes to the right person, and what does he ask Jesus here? He says, what must, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And man, isn't this the greatest question in the whole universe? This is the greatest question that we see in Scripture. I want to point out that it wasn't common for someone to call Jesus good here. Jesus wasn't in a royal family. He wasn't even a priest here. And so for them to call Jesus good, they would only call God good, right? You and I aren't good, right? They're calling Jesus good. And so his theology here is, hey, something's different about Jesus. And what he's doing is he's acknowledging that he knows who Jesus is. And Jesus clarifies that in verse 18 and he, Jesus said to them, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. But in this phrase here, he also has a heart problem. Because he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to be successful in college? What must I do to be successful in life? It's a wrong question. We need to make sure that we are asking the right question. The right question is, what has Jesus done? It's not what we can do to earn a relationship with Christ, but it's what Christ has done for us. Verse 18 and following, I'm going to pick up in verse 19. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. These are six of our commandments. And these six commandments specifically address our relationship with one another. Verse 20. And he said to them, Teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. Man, so many of us can say that too. We can say, hey, I haven't killed no one. Right? I don't always like follow and listen to my parents, but I honor them. And we can say this. We can say that we also have kept all of these things from our youth. Verse 21, and Jesus looking at him, he loved him and he said to him, if you want to write in your Bibles, this is a, a good place to do that. Jesus, looking at him, he loved him. If you don't know this, let me tell you that God loves you. He has a plan for you, for your future and for your college and for your career. Even if you don't know exactly what you're going to do in the next 10 years, God knows. 
And God loves us. And he says to him, he says, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. This is really confusing because he says you lack one thing, but he mentions three. And that's like second grade math. And we're, in, we're about to graduate 12th grade, right? It's like, what in the world? You lack one thing, but then he mentions three things. He says, go sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And so this gentleman who is rich, who is young, he has a wrong response. Verse 22 says, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Not only do we need to go to the right person when we have a question, not only do we need to ask the right questions, but we need to understand that we need to get the right answers and we need to have the correct response from that. See, this individual was told that he was putting his worldly possessions before God. He was putting his success in college before God. He was putting his success in his career before God. Statistics would say that if you don't get connected in your freshman year of college to a local church, that you won't return to the local church until you're about 30. And it's so easy. It's so easy to lack that one thing, to focus on something else. This rich man was focused on his money. He was focused on worldly success. And may we not do that. May we not focus on our success in this world, but may we focus on Christ. I told you earlier that following Jesus in this next season of your life is going to be easier than you think, but I also want to let you know it's going to be harder than you think. Right now you're like, how in the world can I do this? I'm not going to have my parents to help me with my homework. I'm not going to have my parents to tell me that I have to go to bed at 2 a.m., Let's read verse 23. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult is it to enter the kingdom of God? And so right here, Jesus is having the conversation. He says, hey, it's going to be really hard for those of us who are well off, which would be every single one of us in this room, to enter the kingdom of God. Disciples are like, what? I'm following you for what? He gives a term that is humbling. He says, children. Or maybe we've heard this from our parents before. You're acting like a little kid right now. Right? Straighten up. And he asked them again with an exclamation mark here. He says, children, how difficult is it to enter the kingdom of God? And he gives them an example, an illustration in verse 25. He says, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. You know that hump day meme with the camel? Could you imagine putting that in your sewing needle? It ain't happening. There are scholars that would say that there's um, 
Jesus is traveling on this journey, and in this journey there would be two mountains on either side, and as they were traveling through, there would be a camel that they would be on that would be difficult to go in between the mountains. And I disagree with that, and I'll tell you why. Because it's impossible, not difficult. Verse 26 says, and they were exceedingly astonished and said to them, then who can be saved? And that's a great question because that camel went thin through and I have a sewing needle. It's harder than we think. Following our success will cost us everything. The reason why Jesus told this rich young ruler that he was missing one thing is because he was missing Christ. He was trying to focus on what he can do instead of what Christ has already done. And that one thing can cost us our relationship with Jesus. When we put that one thing as Lord over our life and we neglect the creator of this universe, ladies and gentlemen, you were made in the image of God. And God has such a great plan for you. Don't allow that one thing to get in the way of your relationship with God. Get plugged into a local church wherever you go. If you need help finding a good Bible teaching church, reach out to those who you trust. Go to the right person. Ask the right questions. Get the right answers. Have the correct response. They ask who can be saved. Verse 27, Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. We will never find salvation apart from God. Not a list of do's and don'ts. Not a checklist of how obedient we've been or how good we've been. No. It is only possible with God. And only God can provide salvation. So my first point is it's easier than you think. My second point was it's harder than you think. And my third point is college. And following Christ is better than you think. Let's read verse 28. Peter began to say to him, See, we've left, we have left everything and followed you. And they did. The fishermen, the doctors, everything. In fact, Jesus went up to them and they, they were traveling at one point And, hey, uh, do we need to help bury this guy? He's dead. No, let the dead bury their own. And so they left their fathers, they left their mothers, they left their careers, they left everything to follow Jesus. Verse 29, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mothers or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Verses 28 through 30 tells us that we live, we leave a little and we get a lot. For some of us leaving our family, it's going to be tough. Mom's not there to comfort us anymore. Dad's not there to help us fix something anymore. But the Holy Spirit is there, and the Holy Spirit will comfort you a hundredfold more. 
Verse 31 says, but many who are first will be last and the last first. And with Christ, we are first. And here on this earth, we say, hey, you can have everything that I have. You can have everything because nothing in this world matters. Another quote from Jim Elliott says, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain which he can't lose. Again, I'm going to quote this. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he can't lose. And so my prayer is that you wouldn't lack that one thing because you're so distracted on everything else. Our world is full of distractions. College is full of distractions. And whether our parents want to realize it or not, at this point we're out of their house and we can do whatever we want. And you have to make that decision. Will I be obedient to the Lord or will I not? Don't lack that one thing. Don't let whatever it is, you pursuing success and you pursuing your career, get in the way of you pursuing Jesus. My prayer is that each one of us would know Christ and we would call ourselves Christians. And so as we become physical therapists, we wouldn't just become physical therapists, but we would be Christians who happen to be a physical therapist. That we would be a dentist who happen, sorry, that we would be a Christian who happened to be a dentist. That we would be a Christian who happened to be a mechanic. That we would be a Christian who happened to be serving in the military. That we would be a Christian who happened to have a business degree. That we would be a Christian who happened to be a welder. That we would be a Christian who happened to be a massage therapist. That we would be a Christian who happened to be a U.S. Marshal. That we would be a Christian who happened to be a chef. That we would be a Christian who happened to be a nurse. And we would be a Christian who happened to be an actress. Our identity is not in our career. The world would tell us otherwise. First thing you ask someone, what's your name? What do you do for a living? Don't let your career be your identity. Let your identity be in Christ. You are a Christian who, who happens to be in a certain occupation. And use your faith to go change that occupation. And live out your faith to build up the church. Let's pray. Dear Father, I pray over these seniors and their families. Father, in this next season of their life, I pray that you would be kind to them. Father, that you would show them so much grace. Father, I pray that they would surround themselves with the right people. That they would be able to ask hard questions. That they would get the right answers to those hard questions. And that they would have a proper response to it. Father, I thank you for these students. In Jesus' name, amen.